What is the basic problem? Well, in the last 30 years, we have become an hooray for me to heck with you. I'm going to do it my way. And if I have to win through intimidation, I'm going to look out for number one and I'm going to do it right now. And I've just described a completely miserable human being. Welcome to The Ziegler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we listen to a two-minute clip from Zig Ziegler on the power of good relationships. He states that relationships are more important than anything else for our health and, of course, vital for our success in life overall. Well, from that clip, I ask this question on Facebook. In your experience, what things hurt relationships most? We've received close to 80 comments so far, and this is just on my personal Facebook page at Agent K Miller, not the Ziggler Facebook page with four and a half million likes and fans there. I categorized the responses into 11 headlines, and Michelle Prince and I talked through them, counting down to the number one thing people cited most as hurting or hurtful to relationships. It was really incredibly revealing. Well, so we're going to start off our show today with the message from Zig Ziglar right after recognizing a great sponsor of today's show. How important are relationships? Dr. Dean Ornish uh, in his book and uh, tapes points out that he studied for 25 years. And he says your relationships actually are enormously important. He says love and intimacy are at the root of what makes us sick and what makes us well. What causes sadness and what brings happiness? What makes us suffer from what leads to healing People who feel lonely and isolated have a three to five hundred percent better risk of premature death from physical illness. He says your relationships are more important to your health than your exercise program and your diet, also than your genes. So relationships are extremely important. And if we can build winning relationships, then we will have taken a huge step towards the success in life that so many people seek. As a matter of fact, though I don't personally do any counseling, I talk with a lot of counselors, psychologically, theologically, and physiologically. And they tell me that almost 100% of all of the counseling they do is because of relationship difficulties. Husband, wife, parent-child, teacher-student, employer-employee, neighbor-neighbor, sibling-sibling. What is the basic problem? Well, in the last 30 years, we have become an hooray for me to heck with you. I'm going to do it my way, and if I have to win through intimidation, I'm going to look out for number one, and I'm going to do it right now. And I've just described a completely miserable human being. You will never see a happy, self-centered person. They just don't exist. Okay, folks, it's again from that message from Zig that I asked the question, in your experience, what things hurt relationships most? So here are the 11 categories in sequence up to the number one most cited thing people feel hurt relationships. Here we go. 
Okay, Michelle. Well, starting with, I don't want to say last. I don't think any of these, any of these are least uh, in some of the, the ones we're going to read here first that got the least amount of responses or, or uh, that people related to, I think are some of the most important. So it's almost a pulse on just what was first to mind for folks, which is mm-hmm. interesting. So, so we'll go down through here. So what I've got here at number 11, I guess, is understanding. Wendy says the failure to take time to understand someone else's perspective on an issue. Uh, Judy says the inability to listen to each other without acceptance that they can have, the other person can have their opinions and still have value. Uh, to me, this comes into the, you know, being, uh, standing in someone else's shoes and really yes. taking the time, which my gosh, in my own relationships, uh, I know that when I first step in there, I'm in my shoes. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, well, and on that that note, you know, it's so true. I mean, how could you have a relationship if it's not built on understanding? You have to be willing to understand just because somebody is different doesn't mean it's bad. I had a sixth grade uh, teacher who used to say different strokes for different folks. And as long as you go into a relationship knowing that they may not agree with everything, but to try to understand their perspective, I love that when he brings it up. And, and you're right, that's definitely not the last of all the things that are important, but it's, um, you know, maybe there's some other things more important, but I, I think that's huge because you can't have a friendship, a relationship, if you're not willing to understand that they're different and that's okay. Yeah. You know, and with this, I, and I think, you know, I, I said relationships, I think from the responses that most people are coming at this from a marital relationship mm-hmm. because that's the one. And when I think about understanding when it's a, especially if it's a, a disagreement, when I'm with my wife, I is so hard. I am so naturally in my own shoes, thinking about my understanding. I want to be understood with my business partner, my primary business partner. I am much more naturally inclined to try to understand his point of view. Um, so I hope my wife doesn't hear that, I'm, or maybe she, maybe she does need to hear that. And I, but it's yeah, goodness gracious. Well, the next one then is anger. Heidi says. When one of the the mates, spouse, stormy storms out instead of sitting to talk it over with the other one to reason and make things right again, and Douglas says, speaking words uh, before thinking, letting anger take control of me. I mean that one again. Talking about spouses, uh, anger's got to be super high on the list, even if it's not a big emotive anger. Um, well, and sometimes we all get triggered in different ways too, and and sometimes we can't understand why our spouse is angry when it's. They, going back to that number 11, the understanding, they're sometimes angry because they're not understanding our perspective or our point of view, or maybe the opposite. We're angry because we just don't get where they're coming from. Yeah, I think anger destroys. Anger is very, very, it's hard to come back from if you're angry and if you handled it poorly, yeah. it, it's hard to forgive. But hopefully, you know, we all know to, in our relationships to even if we feel angry to not treat somebody with, with those strong emotions. Well, it's interesting. Well, the the next one here we have is, uh, having bad self esteem. And Mm -hmm. I wonder how often that ties into the aspect of being anger. Cause if you are confident, if you are, you know, at, at peace with yourself, I would think you're least less likely to, uh, to get angry. Well, so bad self-esteem that came up. Dan says, uh, having low self-esteem, it's cliche, but if you can't love yourself, you can't really love someone else. Uh, Donna followed that. She said, low self-esteem. If you don't love you, you have a hard time believing anyone else loves you. That was an interesting one to come out. Yeah. 
That sure is. You know, when I think of low self-esteem, I think of, you know, when you don't feel good about yourself, you're saying to that point, you don't believe that somebody else is going to love you. Mm -hmm. But I think it also impacts the way you treat them. Because if you don't feel good about yourself, you may not trust your spouse. You may Mm -hmm. not trust uh, or believe what they always say because you're you're always in subconsciously thinking, well, they're you know they're never going to love me or they've got an ulterior motive or something like that. I can totally see this. Hopefully, you know that's part of when you're courting and dating and before you get married. Hopefully, those things get resolved because if you bring that into a marriage, I feel like that is going to that's going to be really tough to overcome. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here as always, just thinking about how this relates to myself, and probably when I am most prone to anger is when somebody, my spouse in particular, hits on something that I already have shame about. I'm already mm-hmm. struggling with. I have low self esteem about, and that's when that's probably a good. I'm probably going to have to. I'm going to have to do some counseling after this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, isn't it funny though? The people that we love the most and who love us the most, we we tend to hurt the most. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because we do know what to say and what buttons to push, and it, I think these all tie in together. Because you know that self esteem, you may have a self esteem, but if they poke at it or, or bring it up, well, then that sets off the anger, which sets off the you don't understand oh me. Oh my gosh! You know, yeah. And it, think they all mesh together. Well, I think we're going to find that in most, most of these as we go through. Well, the next one then is, uh, taking the other for granted. Dave says, uh, another big guy I see is taking one another for granted. Guys can be especially bad at this. He says, uh, Jerry says neglect failing to continually invest in the relationship. Uh, and he says apathy and, or, uh, or assumption, and uh, Daniel also says apathy, stagnation. Uh, so that came out, that's, that was four that came in just for that on what I titled. I don't know, maybe there's another t- title better for it, but taking the other four granted. I like that term that Daniel uses, stagnation. Um, yes. That's, that's yucky. You know, Zig would always say, you know, if you, if you court or if you, if you treat your wife the way you treated your, her when she was your girlfriend. You oh know? yes. Yes. Love that uh, I'm paraphrasing how he says that, but basically we wouldn't have any marital issues. Right. But there is something that shifts. And I, and, you know, speaking for my own marriage, I mean, I, I can remember even when we were dating, doing oh, so many little things just to make sure Chris knew how much I loved him and knew that I was thinking about him leaving little notes. He'd leave mm-hmm. me notes on my windshield or, you know, or I'd leave him a little something at his doorstep. And, and you're right. You, you sort of stop doing that sometimes and you take for granted because you know, the commitment is already there and you know, they're going to be there for you because you know, you took vows, but, but we need to not be that way because we need to continuously remind them how much we appreciate them. Yeah. I I think especially for those who are married, have kids, it's so easy to fall into that. In essence, a partnership. That's the scary word that my wife and I talk about is different than my business partner that uh, we don't want to be in just a partnership. This needs to be a transaction. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard. It's almost like the family business and you're just making things happen and not taking, uh, or, and taking each other for granted, which comes back to, you know, the, the date nights and the intention. Well, well, okay. Here's, here's the next one here. Number seven, (laughs) lack of intentionality. Uh, so Wesley says the difference between good and good and great relationships is the level of intentionality. Uh, and Donna says, Taking taking time to invest in the relationship, even when you're tired, uh, when you're tired at times. So yeah, lack of intentionality. That's a great one. I didn't even notice that that came right after taking for granted. 
Well, and they do go hand in hand, Um, you know, the whole like scheduling date nights. I think that's probably one of the easiest ways to really be intentional because through that, that's when you're going to communicate, when you're going to, you know, have time to reconnect. Um, One thing I was going to say about the taking for granted and especially with kids and and just for anyone listening to this, that may be, you know, similar to, to my life. I think there are seasons because there are seasons when you're you are kind of in a transaction, especially when the kids are a little like, okay, you take such and such mm-hmm. to baseball and I'll take this one to this sport and we'll meet up at dinner. And, you know, and, so, and, and you can't really help that, but that's where that intentionality comes in. Despite our crazy lives, despite how sometimes we're passing ships in the night that we're still going to make an effort to, to be there for one another, to go to a date night, to, you know, to just sit and talk or, you know, try to figure out what each other's love language is mm-hmm. and, and really be intentional about that, I think is so important. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was talking about this with a couple guys. I have a couple guys that we meet every single Thursday morning at Starbucks and we, uh, we do life together. We talk about what's going on and, and just walk with each other, counsel each other, support each other. And we were talking about that, about keeping that, how we've kept that sacred for so long. And it's because it is intentionally put on the calendar. And it's been interesting as I've been doing the habits shows with our guests that so many of them, when it comes to the relationship spoke that we talk about, uh, from the Ziegler wheel of life, they talk about scheduling family time. A lot of them travel a lot and they talk about that. And, you know, on one hand, it sounds, I think ugh, it sounds kind of bad. I really got to schedule your relationship time, but yeah. And, and whether for, for better or worse, we're in a culture where few people have margin. We don't just drop by and hang out with, uh, with each other. We don't, uh, sit out on the porch like our grandparents did. And so, yeah, that, uh, that being intentional, uh, it seems like it's it's a it's a necessity for any relationship to happen. Well, yeah, sure. And when we we're dating, there's a lot more spontaneity. Mm-hmm. But yeah. look, life happens, and so that if you don't schedule it, it may not happen. So for me, I look at it, and whenever I teach on on productivity and procrastination, it's like, look, if you're scheduling your dentist appointments and scheduling your work appointments and your work lunches, why aren't you scheduling time, mm-hmm. you know, with your husband or why aren't you scheduling time, you know, a date day with your kids or something like that? Because if those are really important, then they, they should have equal amount in your calendar. And, but it's just a, it's just a matter of doing it, but I do agree. I mean, these are all things, Kevin, these are such great reminders for me because I'm not perfect in all of these things. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not alone in that. And, uh, this is just a great reminder that it's just when you take that intentionality. It it is, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of my, uh, my wife one time as I asked, can I go do something was with some guys or something like that. And she said, well, yeah, that's fine. But I want you to make that effort for me that, Mm. that hit hard. Um, we'll pretend (laughs) like that was a long time ago. Um, (laughs) okay. The next one here is, uh, unforgiveness. You know what? Actually, no, I skipped one. It's self-focus. That was an oh, excellent yeah. self-focus. Jennifer says selfishness. Greg says being solely focused on self. Christine says self-protection. Jason says self-centeredness. Uh, that's, I mean, that's relationships across the board. There were back to Office. how to win friends and influence people. And when we are focused on that, yeah, we talk about that, that we know that you go into a group of people and pretty much it's just a round robin of everybody talking about themselves. Uh, that's mm-hmm. again, human nature, huh? It is, but when it becomes that way in a relationship, you know, if you're, if you're only focused on yourself and you're so selfish and somebody is losing there and over time, that spouse is going to feel like, you know, you're taking care of you. I'm taking care of you. Who's taking care of me, you know? Um, 
and you know, it's funny with, with writing books, I, I hear a lot of stories and there's different words and, and I'm not suggesting this is for, but you know, narcissism or people mm-hmm. that are just so focused on themselves that, you know, regardless of their family or their spouse and those that that's deadly. I mean, that is a, that's crushing to a relationship. Relationships are built on giving back and forth. And so the selfishness, there's just no room for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's easy for us to look on ourselves and berate ourselves because of course we are all human. We're all naturally self-centered and self-focused. And that's why we seek to renew our minds daily and to transform ourselves so that we can be different than our just base human nature, kind of that, uh, the mature self and the immature self. Mm-hmm. Well, the next one here, man, this is a biggie, unforgiveness. Uh, Mark says unforgiveness, lack of grace, lack of mercy. Philip says unforgiveness. Uh, Kingsley says, I think one of the killers of relationship is resentment. And I actually put that under, under, under unforgiveness. Uh, but he said this build up over time and either explodes or, or leaks. Uh, Richard says unwillingness to ask for forgiveness. Um, that one we know that's like a, that's one of your deathbed kind of Mm -hmm. regrets is I wish I had just forgiven people. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing with forgiveness is, you know, you're, you're carrying around so much more than the person who hurt you. You're hurting yourself more by, by not forgiving them, but it's hard. And especially Mm -hmm. in a marital relationship, if there's been a wound or Mm -hmm. something that happened that, that is really hard to forgive, then it's, it's really, it's really tough. But I just always try to think of forgiveness as it's, it's better for you than it even is for the person you're trying to forgive. <laughs> that, you know, that is big. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I have struggled with in this uh, is the aspect of forgiving. And you sometimes want justice. I mean, your soul wants justice. You feel like if I forgive, is that going to enable that bad behavior, which then we get into mercy and grace and some deep, deep water. Um, but yeah, as you said, sometimes if it, if it, what if it doesn't change the other person, what if it just changes you? And we've had some great guests in, uh, in the past year who have talked about that, the kindness challenge that was Shanti Feldhahn and her talking about that the being kind to another is not about, uh, not only about what it does for them and what it may help the rela- do to help the relationship. Sometimes it's, it's just for you and you're the, the first beneficiary, man, that's been a sticking, uh, kind of an anchoring thought, uh, from her. So yeah, mm. you just, you just reiterated, well, the next one, and this is, I think we're on number, number four, heading to, uh, heading to number one, being real. Uh, Archie says not being real with the other person. And Audrey says not being able to say no when needed unwillingness to respect the other person's no, both of these lead to resentment. Uh, Christopher says, this is an interesting one and I got to call him out. This is uh, Christopher Lockhead. He's one of the authors of the play bigger book. We had him on the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. just a really neat guy. He said, when you meet someone, you know, and you are, when you're with someone, you know, and you meet their spouse, or their partner, pay special attention to any change in their behavior. People who can't or won't be themselves in front of their partner are in a lot of trouble in life. That was interesting under the being real uh, character. Here's another one. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to drop names. Holly Rigsby. Uh, She is the fit yummy mummy. I've known her, my wife and her got to be friends. She's got a big following online, but she said, being afraid to speak up and speak your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Gerald says, I agree with Holly. And let me add being afraid, uh, being afraid of the result of speaking your mind is dangerous. Uh, Letitia says lack of boundaries. I put that under there as well. Boundaries be that that's, I, I put that there or included under being real because that's one of the harder places I have, uh, mm-hmm. in being real. I'm a, I'm a 
people pleaser. I have a hard time saying no, and I'm, I'm not being real. I'm the same way, Kevin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and I, I, it's interesting because I think sometimes spouses may not be, aren't being real because maybe it's that fine line between showing respect and, you know, saying exactly what you want. And it's, it is that balance, right? You have to have your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a situation in life, you know, so I, when I decided to kind of follow my passion and, and go into writing and speaking and doing all that there, one of my concerns, and I'm very open and vulnerable and I don't mind sharing this. One of my concerns was what is my husband going to think of all this? Like, you know, is mm-hmm. he going to be supportive of this? Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of fear of, you know, showing this is my authentic self. This is who I really want to, you know, I want this part of me to come out. And it was amazing because I I felt the fear and I did it anyway. And what happened out of that was a better relationship with him, a better relationship with my kids, because I think our spouses, they want us to be happy. And they, if we're not being authentic, then, then it's, it's creating a divide and it's creating unhappiness. And so the moment you just realize you step into who you are, who God created you to be and share that with your spouse, with your friends, with your family, there's so much freedom in that. Mm. And they, they appreciate, and they fell in love with that person. So why not, you know, that's, that's a good call. Uh, they fell in love well, in what you said a minute ago too. that, uh, respect. I, I, I struggle there between respect and self-protection. And yes. sometimes I don't know where I'm at in that, but I think I fall onto the side often of self-protection and in that I'm not being real and it creates walls to go up for myself. And I'm, I'm learning these things all the time. And, and it's uh, one thing to know them, one thing to walk them out. Um, well, so, and you, you mentioned respect, which that is the next one. So that's as we, as we get towards number, uh, number three, thanks to this great sponsor for supporting today's show. Uh, respect. So, uh, Dan, and that happens to be my dad, Dan Miller. He said, lack, (laughs) thank you. He says lack of respect for the other person or their ideas. Um, Jody says, I believe trust and respect are both paramount without both of them. A healthy relationship cannot exist. David says no respect for each other. Uh, Libby disrespect, Reginald, not being on the same page, disagreement, broken unity. Uh, Joanne Miller, my mom, God bless her. She said, lack of respect, lack of respect, no matter how long the relationship treating others, the way they want to be treated. Uh, and then bill, this is the last one came in and said contempt. And I put that under there because I thought that's, that's a result of a lack of respect over time is the bitterness that grows. And then contempt, which is, um, Oh, Dan Allender, a guy, real famous counselor in the realm of marriage. And he talks about, I think this is him, the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse in a marriage and uh, contempt was one of them. When you get to that point, you are in dire, dire trouble. So respect, I mean, again, so we're, we're, this is one, uh, we had a, a lot of people respond to this one. And it's interesting because respect is so close to the top, but yet the very first one was understanding. And I think mm-hmm. the two go hand in hand. I think mm-hmm. that there's not respect for one another. It's not necessarily because you're, you're trying to be difficult or you want to be mean to your spouse. It's just that you probably don't understand where they're coming from. So you don't respect what they're saying. You don't respect, you know, their dreams or goals, their wishes. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, it, it's that fine line between, like you said, self-preservation of, uh, believe in what you believe and doing what's right for you. And then also respecting your spouse and doing what's right for the cup for the marriage. And, but I think it goes back to 
communication and understanding. I do too. I am, I am amazed at people who have relationships that end, especially marital relationships that end and how you often hear them, the negative things that they say about this person, this person that they chose to marry. And mm-hmm. I've never been able to get beyond that. I, I, I married a woman that I respected and mm-hmm. if that is going away, I feel like it's my job to press in and learn to and continue to and grow in respect. And we've got to, cause yeah, without that, I, I have, I have a, a great fear the day that I lose all, you know, a, a good enough respect. We're, we're doomed. I mean, there's no coming back. There's no hope. So that's, that's one where we talk about a place to dig in. Uh, we've got to be at a place to respect each other. And I think one of the ways to maybe find that respect, especially if you're losing it, is starting to be, look at what you're grateful for. Look at all mm-hmm. the things that your spouse does that is wonderful. You know, a lot of times self losing respect means you're just not liking the way they're acting or liking what they do, or maybe resentment, or they haven't, you know, done the dishes or whatever it is. Um, but then focusing on, but you know what, they don't do that, but they do do this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Easier said than done, right? Like we're here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we're just, uh, we're commentators here. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, this is number, number two communication. And I'm not going to read down through these. We had so many people who responded, but it was, you know, just lack of communication. We had a couple people just say silence, uh, mm-hmm. as the killer insecurities and lack of communication. Uh, now I'll have to point this out as this, when this show comes out, uh, this is show 542 and show 540. We interviewed, uh, skip Pritchard. Well, good skip came in here and responded. He said, lack of communication, listening and identifying with the other person, not doing what you say you will do. Uh, not living shared values, breaking trust. Those are the things that, that he says he cites as hurting. So communication on this one. So yeah, this was almost number one, just by a hair missed out uh, from the amount of comments that came in, but communication, we know that. I mean, that's, we joke about it in my house that that's what makes, we'll be watching a movie and go, Oh my gosh, why did he not tell her this? Or why did, and and now we have to jump back. Oh, that's what makes a good movie uh, because the drama happens with Uh a lack of communication. Yeah. I remember when we were doing premarital counseling through our church, that was something that, that they, it was required, but we really enjoyed it. And I remember somebody saying that, don't be afraid of fighting mm. because when you stop fighting, that's usually when there's trouble because mm. a fight is really just communicating. It's really just communicating each other's, um, wishes, thoughts, concerns, all, you know, but you're at least communicating when that stops that's when things get scary because you're no longer, you're no longer saying anything to either stand up for yourself or helping them to understand. And and that's when things start to fall away. That's interesting. I have not heard that. It makes total sense. But when the fighting stops, you know, you're in trouble. That's, that's interesting. I don't think that's. (laughs) And and clean fighting. I mean, I don't think they're Right, right. We're not talking about abuse here, but no, that's yeah. great. That's that's but sticking up for yourself and saying, you know, like yeah. I don't like that you did that or that hurt my feelings. Well, mm. what are you doing? You're communicating. Yeah. And if you stop doing that, then it, that's when the divide starts. Goodness. Okay. Well, so now here we are at the big number one. This is the one that we're not saying is most important. It just happens to be what the most people responded uh, with an answer uh, as an answer to this, and it was dishonesty. Uh, over and over dishonesty, a lot of, a lot of just one little, they put that word, that was it. Uh, but dishonesty, broken trust, trust, deception, repeated deception, um, breaking promises and being unreliable, keeping secrets and lies. Uh, so that was 
that was pretty harsh. You go back to respect. How can you, I mean, that's why we see so few people who recover from an affair, um, because you have broken dishonesty at such a deep level that few people can recover from that. So, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I think when I posted this, if I would not have guessed that that would be the number one post is dishonesty. And I wonder if that's why I wonder if that's maybe that's the main, that's the hardest one to come back from. Well, it's, it's, it's for sure the hurt. And, and that, I think that ties into the, the forgiveness, the unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, ugh, that's a tough one. And that's not just in marriages. I mean, that's in all relationships. Once you, once you think that you can't trust someone, it just causes a wedge. Well, it's yeah. And, and my gosh, to... and I think Zig talked plenty about it. Um, but that the number one thing that we, the asset that we have is our integrity, is our trust. And I know that that was always, if as a parent, I was, if I overreacted anywhere, it was when my kids did anything that was dishonest. Yes. And uh, because that one, and we talk about that openly, there's, that is the biggest asset they'll ever have. And uh, without <laughs> it, you're hurting. I can, I mean, there's been many times that even, you know, with my boys through the years, it's like, look, you're going to be in less trouble if you tell the truth and, you know, tell us what really happened than if we find, find out that yes. you lied about this. Yes. And, and it's true because there's just something about that, you know, a lie is like, yeah. okay, that's just it. <laughs> but that's interesting. Married, Th- those are, those are my big, you know, kind of those emotional childhood memories. I have a couple around times when I flat out deceived or, or lied. And, uh, my parents, uh, I think they did overreact and thank goodness because, uh, I, I needed that one. Well, so there you go. So there is us as the messengers, how interesting out of 11, 11 kind of key topics that we had yeah, over, over 65 or so people have responded at this point and it kind of culminated in these 11 categories. And yeah, not to say that they are in order of importance, but it's in the order of what first came to mind for folks as well. Gosh, so interesting. I, and I think, you know what, I want to go through this with my, with my wife. Uh, how interesting. Oh, great idea. Yeah. It'll be a good and, and, and maybe even changing it because it's important to know what hurts a relationship, but then maybe focusing on, okay, well, if this is what hurts, then how can we, how can we, what can True. we do to avoid these things? You know, True. Oh. scheduling date nights, gratitude, what they do, all that. All right. Well, so we'll uh, sign off now and you and I can go spend the rest of the day doing those things to strengthen <laughs> with our, our relationship with our spouses <laughs> and everyone come in contact with. Michelle, as always, thanks so much. Absolutely, Kevin. Love it always. Okay, friends, I'm betting many of you had a bit of a gut check like I did on some of these issues that we do within relationships that are hurtful. So many thanks to all who submitted comments. It gives us such great content to discuss here. Again, you're welcome to join in on these weekly questions at my Facebook page, Agent K Miller. Well, coming up next in show 543, we have a treat for you, truly. Chances are you've seen the blockbuster show America's Got Talent. If so, you've probably seen Mandy Harvey, the incredible singer who is deaf. I mean, talk about an overcoming, uh, overcoming, inspiring story. She was in college pursuing a vocal music education degree, then lost her hearing. She left the program to pursue other career options, but later returned to music. And there's a great story on what led to that. Well, fast forward to America's Got Talent, where she reached the finals. She was Simon Cowell's golden buzzer winner. And in addition, CNN's great big story captured her uh, with over 10 million hits on 
social media. Burt's Bees signed her up for their Remarkable Women campaign. NBC Nightly News profiled her. And she started performing at the world's most prestigious clubs, concerts, stages, and festivals. In addition to this recording career, live performances, inspirational speaking, Mandy's just released her first book titled Sensing the Rhythm, Finding My Voice in a World Without Sound. And it's a message of helping others to realize their dreams, pursue their hopes. Uh, She's also an ambassador for No Barriers USA. She travels the country to heighten awareness, break down blocks, challenge stereotypes, and lead the charge toward a brighter brighter future for all. So this is what we talk around as we get the story and talk about her, about her life, and about Mandy's message. Well, till then, folks, thank you, as always, for joining me as we walk together, inspiring our true performance. Performance.